Okay, we're going to carry on our sermon series in John, the book of John. John's account of some of the aspects of Jesus' life, his death and resurrection. And uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 14 of John. The words will be on the screen. But if you do have a Bible or if you've got it on your tablet or on your phone, can I encourage you, just keep it open this morning. Just have it beside you. Don't, don't switch on to Facebook if it's on your phone or Instagram or whatever you're into. Uh, don't just close your Bible. Why don't you keep it open this morning? Because I really feel God wants to speak to us through these words. I think I feel he wants to both encourage us and challenge us and stir us for all he has for us. So John chapter 14. The, 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 at this point in John's account of uh, Jesus' ministry and life, suddenly we see this kind of shift, this change. Uh, and we're going to see that this morning. Uh, and he's, these are things he wants to teach his closest friends uh, before he is crucified. Um, so what's already happened? Well, do you know what? I think up to now, if you were one of Jesus' followers, you would think that things are pretty good. No, they've, they've seen Jesus feed the 5,000. They've seen him heal a blind man. They've, they've seen their friend Lazarus being dead but raised to life and come back to them. And they, they've been causing a real stir with the religious people and in the temple and getting quite a name for themselves. You can imagine these disciples thinking, you know, there's no end to what we can do. Come on. And then we just find out, just in the chapter preceding what we're going to be looking at, Jesus saying, well, do you know what? One of you is going to betray me. And he's talking about Judas. And, and then he says, do you know, I'm going to be with you for only a little bit longer. Uh, and Peter says, well, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. And, and Jesus says to him, well, actually, Peter, do you know what? You, you're, going to, you're going to deny me as well. And you'll disown me. And suddenly, it must have been as if the disciples were just brought back down to earth with a thud. Okay. And so when Jesus says in this passage, don't let your hearts be troubled, I imagine that they really needed to hear that. And do you know what? Perhaps you need to hear that as well this morning. The words of Jesus to you, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because Jesus knew where their hearts were at. And do you know what? He knows where your heart's at. He knows where my heart's at this morning. If you are dealing with anxiety or depression or disappointment or fear, or maybe pride, maybe actually your heart is full of joy and thanksgiving right now, wherever you're at, listen, Jesus knows and he says to you, don't let your heart be troubled. I believe he really wants to speak that into us this morning. He's not uninterested in you. It's not like he doesn't care. No, no, he cares for you and knows where you're at. So let's read these words of Jesus to us this morning. John chapter 14 from verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you 
that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the, to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Okay, so we're going to look at three promises that Jesus gives us in this passage this morning. There's loads, but I want us to see three big beautiful, faith-building, stirring promises to you and me today. First promise. Jesus promises a life after death. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. See, heaven, heaven equals my Father's house. Heaven is living with God. It's eternity in God's presence. See, the word here used in verse 2 for rooms is only used once elsewhere in the New Testament. And, and it's later in this chapter, in verse 23. And it's when Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we'll come to him and make our home with him. So think less of heaven as there is a room assigned to you with your name on that you'll go in and you'll see God maybe when he comes out every now and again, you'll bump into him. And more that in heaven, you'll live in God's presence and be at home with him. Jesus has prepared a place for you. What does he mean by that? This, this, is not, this is not Jesus fluffing the pillows and getting the guest towels out and having a hoover round. That's not what it means by prepare. That's what we do, isn't it, when we prepare a room for someone. We make sure everything is perfect. Perhaps if you're Sarouche, you put a little chocolate on the pillow as well. Is that right? It's not, this is not what it means by Jesus preparing a room for us. It's not like 
Jesus is making the thought of eternity with God a bit more attractive to us so that then we might choose it. It's not like, it's not like he's saying, well, people will choose eternity with God when they realize how great it is and how much it will benefit with them. I've just got to sell eternity a bit more. No, no. Do you know, he knows people will choose God when they realize how much he loves them. And preparing a place means his death and resurrection. That's what it refers to. It refers to his victory over sin and death and that he's made a way to restore us back to God. As we were singing this morning, all of my sin, all of my hidden shame died with him on the cross. He's preparing a way for us to come to the Father, preparing a place for us through his cross in his death and through his glorious resurrection. He's taking on the punishment that you and I deserved for all our rejection of him and dealing with it on the cross. And so we can have confidence in that. So you can't get more secure than that, can you? Perhaps, have you, have you ever made a, a hotel reservation and you just don't know? You, you kind of turn up. Who travels quite frequently to hotels? Let's have a, let's have a, a bit of a... Oh, yeah, hello, Jeff. Yeah, you too. Yeah, and lots of people travel frequently to hotels. I used to have a job where... It was one of my first jobs where I had to do the hotel room bookings for the boss. And I would dread that moment where he would phone from London to say my reservation hasn't been made or hasn't been put through. What are you going to do? And I'd be, oh no. Normally it'd be fine, but have you ever had that experience where you've booked, you've made a reservation somewhere and you've turned up and, oh, there must have been a mistake. Your name's not down. Oh, we haven't got your booking, sir. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, no, this is a surefire, ironclad reservation for you and I, prepared by Jesus through his death on the cross. There's no, there's, no, there's no error, there's no mistake. It's cast iron. Why? Because he's prepared a place through the cross. And we can have confidence. Confidence because it's not based on my efforts, not based on your efforts to impress God, but based on his finished work for you and I. Amen? That's more exciting than cups, isn't it? Amen. Listen, Jesus wants our hearts not to be troubled. That's what he tells us. Perhaps you find yourself thinking, do you know what? Is there, is there really life with God after death? Or, or is it just a nice thought? Is it just something that makes, that's meant to make us feel better before death? Is it, is it that? But listen to what Jesus' words again. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? It's kind of like Jesus saying, look, I, I wouldn't allow you to just keep committing yourself to a lie. I, I wouldn't allow you to just kind of going on with thinking that some dream up that is not true. His words are to comfort you. 
the, uh, the famous Bible teacher uh, R.C. Sproul, who actually died about 12 months ago, um, he said this about this passage. And uh, he, if, if you're not from England, uh, he uses the word sweet, which I quite like the thought of eternity in God's sweet. Uh, but it just means room or place. But he said this, Though we may experience the pangs of terror as we consider the prospect of dying, death itself holds no fear for us because it's our entrance to that suite that Jesus has prepared for us in heaven. A suite that in the house where he himself dwells. That's where R.C. went and realized some 12 months ago. Do you know what? That's where Rob, Marion's husband, went this week, prepared for him in Christ. Okay, second promise. A life with God the Father. Thomas says, you say we know the way to this eternal life, but we don't. And Jesus says, in a very famous verse, what does he say? Let's say it together. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When he says I'm the way, it's not like I'm the way like the Channel Tunnel is the way to France or uh, the, the M1 is a way to London. He's not saying follow me long enough and eventually I'll get you to the Father. No, he says if you encounter me, you're encountering the Father. That's his promise to us. It's a very, very exclusive promise as well. It's a very, very exclusive statement. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. Do you know what? It's one of those statements that doesn't sit very well in our society, does it? It's an exclusive claim that almost seems... You know, if you say that, you, you are seen as narrow-minded, as a little bit arrogant... You know, exclusive claims like that are meant for cars. They're meant for phones. They're meant for things that don't matter. Not faith. And especially in our Western mindset, it's not just... Our society doesn't say you're welcome to worship whatever you wish. It actually says you are welcome to worship whatever you wish as long as you don't claim that that thing you worship or that person you worship is the right one and the only way and this is not a new thing listen just uh, two weeks ago in god's big picture our monthly study the bible uh, in in a bit more depth evening which if you haven't been to god's big picture come along but a few weeks ago we looked at the first hundred years after jesus and we looked at the roman society which kind of said You can worship Jesus if you want, but make sure you worship all the other idols and gods too, and you better make sure that you worship the Roman emperor. And the Christians of that time kind of said, well, if we worship Jesus as Lord, we can't offer sacrifices to so-called gods and idols that you've come up with. And we certainly can't bow the knee to the emperor in worship. And many of them lost their lives because of that. People that we looked at at God's Big Picture, like 
Perpetua and Felicitas. What great names. Two women in northern Africa. One was actually a noble woman and one was actually her slave girl. And they'd become followers of Jesus. And they'd refuse to sacrifice um, uh, to the Roman gods. And in 2002, uh, 2002, 202, they were martyred for that belief. And they were thrown to wild animals. And it said that as they were going off to their death, they stood hand in hand to stand for what they believed in. Now, it may be an exclusive claim, but it's a claim that jumps boundaries that we might put in society. A slave girl and a noble woman standing, one in Christ, refusing to worship other idols. You know, and things are nowhere as near brutal in our nation today. But yet we live in similar times. To make such an exclusive claim is really arrogant. It's seen as antisocial. No, no, we're meant to say all religions, all faiths are the same. That's what we're meant to say. That's what we're meant to believe. We're meant to look at it like, perhaps you've heard this example, we're meant to look at it like the blind men and the elephant. Have you ever heard of this? We're meant to see it like, imagine religious faith is like six blind men um, feeling their way around an elephant. And one of them has got the, the leg and it's kind of going, well, you know, I think this is like a tree. An elephant's like a tree. Uh, and there's another um, blind man that's got the, the um, what are they called? Tr- trunk, that's what they're called. I was going to say, st- the, the trunk. And he's got the trunk and he says, well, do you know what? I think an elephant is, is like a snake. Or, or one of them's got the tail and he goes, no, no, I, I, think, I think an elephant's like uh, a piece of rope. Uh, and, and the philosophy goes that actually that's just what religion is like. We've all got a little bit of what God's like and none of us have got the whole picture. We're all just kind of working it out for ourselves. We've all got a little bit of the truth. And no religion can claim their rights. That's what it says. But there are so many things wrong with that. Firstly, that view in saying don't be arrogant shows its own arrogance because it says there is an elephant and I can see it and you can't. Do you see the backwards arrogance in it? And it also says that actually religious faith is just like kind of feeling or groping in the dark around God and coming up with what you think. What if that elephant could talk and say, I'm an elephant and this is what I'm like? And do you know what? That's what God has done in Jesus. He's spoken. Listen to this passage from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, See, Jesus said, if anyone has seen me, he's seen the Father. Jesus promises this to us. I'm the way. Come to me. You want to know truth? You want to experience life? It's through me alone, says Jesus. See, perhaps you're here today and you've thought that. In fact, that's what you're thinking right now. Well, perhaps Jesus is just one of the ways to God of many. 
weeks. And what if God has spoken? What if God is speaking to you this morning? Saying, I'm the way. Come to me. Come to know the Father through me. Come and know real life. Come and know truth. What if he's speaking that to you this morning? Okay, third promise. A life of greater things. This is what Jesus has said. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. It means if we trust and choose to follow Jesus, we'll be doing the things that he's been doing. Serving the poor, showing compassion, seeing the sick healed, showing people how to get right with God. But also, greater things. And you know what? There has been loads of debates over 2,000 years about what greater things means. Greater things than these. Let's just think about what it doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean lesser things than these. I think we can all be agreed on that, can we? Is that a fair point? It doesn't, Jesus is not saying lesser things than these, okay? I'm getting a thumbs up. It doesn't mean that somehow we're able to do greater things than these in our own ability or in our own strength. As if Jesus was kind of like, oh man, that is so not fair. You're going to do greater things than me. How did I not work that one out? No, no. In fact, he goes on later in John to talk about how he's going to come to them by the Holy Spirit and empower them by the Spirit. And that's the thing that, and that's the person that makes them be able to do greater things than these. Is it greater in terms of number? Well, that could be true, couldn't it? More Christians have lived over these 2,000 years. Perhaps it's greater things in number, more things. Well, maybe, but there was a word that Jesus could have used to say more things, which would have been a lot clearer. Was it greater in terms of kind of quality of miracle? Well, I'm not sure about that either, because you know, actually raising Lazarus from the dead, feeding 5,000 people, it's quite a quality miracle, isn't it? Well, is it that the disciples would do greater things, but after them, it would stop? And we wouldn't. It doesn't seem to say that either, because Jesus says, well, whoever believes in me. And I think that includes us. No, no, I think it's greater in terms of, in terms of the, the works that are in light of Jesus' finished work through his cross and his resurrection. It's, it's, it's doing works that are in the full light of his finished work. See, that's what we sang again this morning, wasn't it? It is finished. He's achieved it all for us. And it works in the light of that. See, everything, everything Jesus did on earth before he went to the cross, his words, his actions, they were often veiled from full sight. 
And, and people would kind of, even sometimes his closest followers wouldn't totally get it. And it was not until they saw him raised to life that they realized, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what it is. I now understand it in the light of his resurrection. I get it. I understand what he's achieved. Don Carson, um, the famous Bible teacher, says it's like this. Um, Because of Jesus' death and his resurrection and his going to the Father, it's kind of like a door has been swung open or it's become a new day. And that all the power and glory of Jesus' work can be seen like never before. And do you know what? People can make a heart response to Jesus like never before, knowing that they're entering into resurrection life. See, listen to, listen to what Jesus says in chapter 5 um, of John. I've got this written up, I think. Um, he said this already. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is doing. And greater works, greater works, greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. See, I believe greater things means doing the things Jesus did. Seeing God heal people. Seeing miraculous answers to prayer and to situations. Feeding the hungry. But do you know what? Now all those things can be fully seen in the clear light of Jesus' finished work and his resurrection life. Resurrection life can come to people. He can bring them from death to life. He can make them alive to their Father in heaven and to him. They can enter into resurrection life. And do you know what? That means for you and me today, there are greater works for us to walk into. Does that excite you? Does that stir you? You get to introduce people to resurrection life. You get to lay hands on the sick knowing that Jesus has conquered sin, uh, sickness and death. You get to pray for people in tough situations or where there's a miracle needed and say, look, I want to pray for you because I believe Jesus is alive today and he hears our prayers. And I'm praying for a miracle for you. You can ask God to speak to you about people like, oh God, give me, give me a helpful word for that person that just might help them or might help lead them to see that Jesus is the way for them. And as you share the love of God with people, you can know that resurrection life can come to them. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that it's not just for special Christians? It's not just for a special group. Do you believe it's not only for leaders? It's not just for leaders. Do you believe it's not only for one nationality type? It's not just for one nationality type. It's for everyone. Everyone who believes in Jesus. That means us here. 
that means our children and young people, out there, there are greater things for you and I to walk into. Listen, if this stirs you this morning, I, I, I kind of think, oh, I want to give you some helpful hints, some helpful ways you can kind of work this out. Here's the first one. Why don't you join a devoted group and get involved with what they're doing? Listen, these are our midweek groups, and what you might find happens is as you get involved in what that devoted group meeting is doing, gathering is doing, you might find yourself praying for a miracle for um, an asylum seeker or a refugee that has come along to the devoted at Southside's um, uh, food and friendship nights that they had this week. You might find yourself praying for a prophetic word for someone in Costa Coffee at the devoted Costa group. You might find yourself praying for healing for someone in Eshwood Square through the devoted at Hope group as they say, do you know what, I just need a healing touch. Would you pray for me or can I pray for you? Listen, these things could be worked out and worked out in our community. Greater things. Or it might be you find yourself doing that in your workplace. Or with coffee when you're out with friends. Or when friends come over to your house and you just say, look, oh, I would love to pray for you for that thing that's going on in your life or for that sickness you've got. Can I, pray, can I tell you about Jesus and how he's the way for you? So in community and also in life, in the places that you and I find ourselves. And we can also help each other by encouraging one another and saying, do you know what, could you pray for me? You probably pray for me quite a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> I think someone else. No. <laughs> can you pray for me? Hey, do you know what, I, I just feel there's someone at work that I, I want to help and, uh, and they're, they're sick and I want to have the boldness to pray for them. Could you just be praying for me this week? We can do that with one another. Uh, can, you, can you pray for me this week? Because uh, um, I, I want to tell my friend about how much Jesus loves them and how they can come into resurrection life. Listen, can you pray for me? We can do that. We can help one another, ask one another to pray for each other. Encourage one another and say, do you know what? I stepped out this week and I prayed for this guy. And Hey, God touched him and healed him. It was amazing. Hey, why don't you think about doing the same thing? We can encourage one another and stir one another in that. Listen, God wants to stir us in all these greater things that he has for you and I and for Teesside. Listen, our world needs to encounter resurrection life, doesn't it? Our friends need to encounter resurrection life and truth. And Jesus sends us out in the power of the Spirit to do that. What will that mean for you this week? Just stop for a minute. I don't know how we're going to respond yet, but just for a minute, just let's stop for a moment and just think, all of us. What does that mean this week? For me. Where is it God might be calling me to share resurrection life with someone? Maybe tell them about him. Maybe pray for them or a situation. Or pray for a word that's going to break open something in their life. For God's glory. Just think, just for a moment. What's God stirring to me to this week?
He's not discounted you. It's not for a special group. It's not for leaders. It's not for English or just Iranian or just West African. It's for all of us. It's not for people who have been Christians longer than others. Whoever believes in me, that's what Jesus said. Okay, so we've got three promises that Jesus has given us. At least three promises in this passage. A life with God after death. A life with the Father through Jesus. And a life of greater things. I believe God wants to encourage many of us this morning with those things. But I think he also wants to stir us and send us out this week. So we're going to worship and then we're going to respond as God wants to speak to us and encourage us and stir us. So the band could come up and uh, why don't we stand for a minute. We'll respond all together. We might respond individually as well. We might pray. But let's stand together in response if we can. Jesus, you are our Lord and our Captain. You're our saviour, you're our friend, you're our brother. And as we've encountered you, as we've come to know you, you said, has anyone seen me? They've seen the Father. We've found a Father in heaven who loves us and is for us. And as, as Raj said, amazingly happy and blessed and delights in us because we're in Christ. And I want to ask that you might encourage and comfort those of us who just need to hear that you've got a place prepared for us one day. Through your cross and resurrection, there's a surefire reservation for us in eternity. Such good news. Thank you, you revealed yourself as the way, the truth and the life and we've come to know our Father in heaven. Thank you that you've called us to greater things and you said that you'll do, we'll be empowered by your spirit to live for you and to see people come to experience and encounter the resurrection life of Jesus. Now fill us, empower us, and send us out into all you want to do. You love Teesside. You love Teesside. Lord, send us out. So as, Jill, as Jill prayed, send out church after church after church in the power of your name to those who don't know you. We're going to respond in song and uh, then we're going to see what God wants to do amongst us.